Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Dirt Show. Lots of things have happened since the last time we met, including what a Super Bowl. It was it was fantastic. D- did did the San Francisco coach make a decision uh, that was wrong in the end to uh, receive rather than defer, uh, giving giving uh, Kansas City last licks and the ability to score the touchdown. I think so. I think that was the wrong decision. Um, he had his reasons. Uh, his reasons were he thought he got tied after both possessions um, that it would be best for him to have uh, to receive it when it was uh, when it was uh, sudden death. In any event, it was a great game. That's all you can hope for. It was a great, great uh, game. Uh, I thought the ads were over over. I, I didn't love the ads, but, uh, you know, my wife and I watched the game together. She she loved the ads. Neither of us loved the halftime show particularly, but the game was great, particularly the second half. And as both of my sons told me before the game, don't ever bet against Mahomes if he has the last opportunity to bring bring the trophy home. He's he's going to do it. And he did it. So, uh you know he's he's now a legacy, and uh, he deserves everything, all the accolades that uh, that uh, he is getting, uh, notwithstanding a deception in the first half. But it was a it was a great game, and I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, you know I don't understand why President Biden didn't have an interview. It seems to me it would have been a softball interview for him. Uh, in the Super Bowl and the excuses he gave and his press secretary gave and I said, well, it's the Super Bowl. We don't want to interfere with the interference of the Super Bowl. Hey, but he did something on TikTok. No, uh, President of the United States uh, ought, to, ought to be willing to have a Super Bowl interview, especially softball interviews with CBS. So that was one thing that happened uh, this week. Uh, also last night, we saw the dramatic rescue of two hostages uh, that were being held in Hamas by um, Israeli special forces. It was a spectacular uh, rescue. And I have to tell you, you know, your Hamas is holding um, Israeli citizens. Israel has the right to go and get them. And if there are going to be people killed in the process, the blame has to go to Hamas, not Israel. The United States would have done the same thing. They would have gone in with all their guns roaring to to save uh, American hostages, and and so I, I uh, commend Israel for its bravery and its its rescue. Um, then, of course, we had um, today, just a half an hour ago, an hour ago, um, President Trump's lawyers made a wise decision um, this time. You know, I was, as you know, very critical of Trump's lawyers in the Colorado voting case. I think they picked the wrong issue to focus on. I think they were tone deaf, tone deaf to the Supreme Court justices' concerns. And I think they did a, a mediocre job, although who get 
credit for winning the case because we'll win the case. But the lawyers in the case which they'll lose, um, probably the immunity case, made a wise decision today. Uh, as I understand it, I haven't seen the papers, but I get it from hey, I get it from television, so it must be true. Um, that um, all all the um, Trump lawyers did was seek a stay of the Court of Appeals unanimous three-judge decision in order to give them options. That way they can go back to the, and bank the entire court of whatever it is, 12, 13, 14 judges, and ask them to reverse the panel. I don't think that would work, but it would buy time. Uh, I think that was smart. And But I don't know what the Supreme Court's going to do. It could grant the stay. It could reverse the stay. It could impose a new stay and give them 30 days or 20 days to seek certiorari. Uh, don't know um, uh, what what they will do, but th these lawyers seem to know what they're doing, and I think they, they seem to be doing um, uh, the right thing. Uh, and then we have some news regarding the great couple. You know, no, no, I'm not talking about Taylor Smith. I'm not no, no, I'm talking about the really great couple in America today, Fannie Willis and, and Nathan Wade. We didn't see any reference to them at the Super Bowl, but that's that's a couple. That's a romance that may change America. Um, uh, and today the judge said, uh, this is a young judge in, in Fulton County, um, relatively inexperienced, but I think he did the right thing. He said, look, if there was a relationship, and they've now admitted there's a relationship, and that relationship benefited the district attorney financially, that is a plausible grounds for a recusal. But we also have another issue there. There is an allegation of felonies committed by um, by both uh, Fannie Willis and 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 Nathan Wade. Uh, they claim that their relationship began only after that their sexual relationship began only after um, he was appointed uh, special prosecutor and paid all that money. But a former legal associate of his says, no, no, no. Uh, the relationship began earlier. Will the judge allow evidence about when the relationship began? You know, that requires, you know, what does it mean when does the relationship began? They admit there was a friendship. Well, when did they have sex for the first time? Will that be admissible? I mean, that could result in disbarment and, and, and perjury prosecutions. Uh, and if they conspired together to tell a lie, that could result as well in a conspiracy uh, prosecution. I don't know what the judge is going to do, how much leeway he will give uh, the, the um, uh, lawyer. Uh, this is not Trump. This is one of his co-defendants. The lawyer who's trying to explore the possible conflict of interest, it seemed to me today that he would certainly give them a lot of leeway on the financial aspect of it. Don't know, don't know how much leeway he'll give them on the um, romantic or sexual aspect of it. <laughs> and then finally, um, as I told you, as we was leaving you last Wednesday, I was on my way to the University of Miami uh, to speak to uh, law students and other students at the university. There were protests. Um, uh, there were a group of people who started shouting and screaming and tried to shout me down. And uh, as they were being taken out, I said to the police, you know, let them stay as long as they want to ask me questions. I'm happy to answer questions. One of them did stay. And 
and asked me questions and and I we had a conversation. We had a, a real good exchange and and he said, "Well, they're killing so many innocent people." And I said, um, uh, "And and it's in part because Hamas is holding um, using uh, civilians as human shields." And I said to the to the protester, "Would you be willing to sit down with me and write a joint op-ed in which I argue that Israel should do perhaps more to try to protect civilians, and you argue?" that Hamas should stop using human shields. And he kind of just indicated, yeah, yeah, and he walked out. And, and, and I applauded him for his willingness because the next day he told the newspapers, no, he wouldn't be willing to write an op-ed with me because human shields are not the issue. Well, of course they're the issue. If Hamas would stop using civilians as human shields, the numbers of civilians who were killed in a legitimate military action would go down considerably. So uh, those are the, 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 the events from last Wednesday to today that at least I wanted to focus on. But I want to focus the rest of the show on what I regard as one of the worst uh, reports by a special counsel uh, ever, ever rendered. And I've been following special counsel right from the beginning. I've written articles uh, about it. I wrote, I think, my first articles about it in the 1990s. I've never been a fan of special counsel. I've never been a fan of uh, appointing somebody to prosecute a particular person. Uh, the good thing about prosecutors is they have, they're not supposed to have an agenda. I'm not talking about the get Trump prosecutors or like special prosecutors. I mean, you know, the, the district attorney of Manhattan and the uh, attorney general of New York who campaigned on the promise, get Trump, get Trump. They're like special prosecutors, but no prosecutor should ever have a target painted on the back of a particular subject and then see if they can make the case against him. That's what Lavrenti Beria and Stalin uh, said in their conversation where Beria said to Stalin, he was the head of the KGB, uh, show me the man and I'll find you the crime. That's what special prosecutors do. So you have this special prosecutor, her, who interestingly enough was a Republican who was appointed by Donald Trump to be the U.S. attorney um, uh, in his state, in his district. And then Merrick Garland, a Democrat in the cabinet, appointed the Republican to be the special counsel to investigate President Biden. The report is just god awful. Uh, Hurt has no idea about the law, uh, about the criminal law. Uh, he says that, well, in order to convict somebody of possessing classified material, he has to have a specific intent. And then he said, well, the jury never would have found specific intent because this is a well-meaning old man with memory problems. Well, that's not what intent means. Intent under the law of classification is very superficial and very simple. Did he know he had classified material? Even if he has a bad memory, even if he's old, even if he's doddering, that's not enough to deny intent. Uh, and, and the idea that a special counsel would try to predict what the jury would do based on factors like that he's an old man, a well-meaning old man with, with, with a bad memory. It's just not the way a prosecutor is supposed to approach the case, certainly not a special counsel. What if he had said instead, look, 
Biden's guilty. Um, all the elements of the crime are there. He had possessed classified material. He knew they were classified. By the way, this all happened years ago. So we're not talking about his state of mind now. We're talking about his state of mind when he was a much younger man. So, so when he had the material, uh, did he know it was classified material? Of course he did. Did he deliberately know, hold, give them to somebody? Of course he did. He gave them to his ghost, to his ghost writer. Um, and, and, and so, you know, that, that should be enough. What if he said then, well, but you know, a jury's not going to convict him because he's really a good looking guy, very attractive and, and he speaks well. And uh, even though he's guilty, a jury's not going to convict him. So I'm not going to recommend prosecution. Or what if he said, look, this is a predominantly black district. Uh, or predominantly Jewish district, and the defendant is, in one case, black, and in the other case, Jewish, you know what? Black jury is not. Look at O.J. Simpson. Black jury is not going to convict a black defendant of this. Jewish jury is not going to convict a Jewish defendant of this. Oh, this jury is going to be made up primarily of women, and a woman's uh, jury is not going to convict a woman of this. That's not the kind of speculative prediction about juries that um, uh, special counsel ought to be making. So, so I think he really abused his authority and his, his trust. Uh, look, what he should have done is simply said this, there is either enough evidence to prosecute or not enough. If there was enough evidence to prosecute, he should have gotten an indictment, gone ahead, prosecuted. Then we have two dueling cases, one in Florida and one up there. Um, one against the incumbent president, one against the former president for improper possession of classified material. That would have seemed like a single standard of, of justice. Or, or he would have said, uh, look, I've looked at the evidence. The evidence is not there. The elements of the crime haven't been proved, so I'm not going to bring a prosecution. End of discussion. But he shouldn't have then gone into his medical diagnosis. Uh, and said things about uh, Biden that were unnecessary for the decision in this case. Again, his statements about bad memories are not the kind of intent that the law requires when it talks about intent in the context of classified material. So he basically screwed both sides in this one. Well, maybe that was his job, uh, but he didn't do it fairly. Uh, he screwed the um, uh, Biden people, obviously, by gratuitously uh, including the report uh, material that he had to know would be used politically against Biden, his mad, bad memory, his age, that that kind of thing. And, um, you know, so that that didn't didn't work uh, uh, very well. And, and but then he decided not to prosecute him. And then he goes into this whole gratuitous trip. Well, but Trump's guilty. You know, but, but Trump really did something much worse. There's no double standard here. Trump's guilty. What does he know about the Trump case? He's not the special prosecutor in the Trump case. Why does he have pages after pages of, 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 of Trump did worse? And did Trump do worse? Well, what he says is Trump didn't cooperate. Of course he didn't cooperate. If he were my client, I would have never allowed him to cooperate. Uh, you don't cooperate with the government when the government's trying to get you unless the government gives you something in exchange for the cooperation. You're not when the government's trying to put you in jail or trying to deny you 
the presidency or or trying to get you convicted of a crime, you're they're not your friend. You have no obligation to cooperate with them. The Fifth Amendment of the Constitution permits you to remain absolutely silent and not cooperate. Now, he also says, well, Trump obstructed justice. Well, triumph for that. Triumph for that. Triumph for that. It's a separate crime, obstruction of justice. But to claim somehow that there is a stronger basis for prosecuting somebody because they didn't cooperate just misunderstands the law. Let's have to assume you have two people, both exactly the same, both commit exactly the same uh, crime. And, 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 and one says through his lawyer to the prosecution, I'm not cooperating. Prove it. Prove it. And the other one says, oh, I'm such a nice guy. I want to cooperate. I want to help you. I want to cooperate. I want to help you. No, that's not a relevant consideration. Maybe relevant in sentencing. I don't think it is, particularly because the cooperation is often feigned and it doesn't really represent true feelings. But um, uh, but it's certainly not the criteria that should distinguish prosecuting somebody and not prosecuting another person when you have the same the same basic um, evidence. So I think uh, her's report is a failure on all scores. Um, it, and you'd think he'd learn his lesson from James Comey. James Comey will go down in history as somebody who may have, and I'm just saying may have, and a lot of you people out there are going to say, no, it had no impact. Maybe it did, maybe it did. May have impacted the 2016 election when he gratuitously uh, went after Hillary Clinton after saying there wasn't enough to prosecute her and no person in the a similar situation had ever been prosecuted under those circumstances. But then let me tell you what you did really was very bad. That's not what you're supposed to do. And he got condemned for that and fired. Um, you'd think maybe her would have learned that lesson. You know, less is more. When you're a special prosecutor, you shouldn't be writing a book. This guy wrote a book, a 350-page book. It'd probably be a bestseller. But it's not what he should have done. Should have been one paragraph. Uh, he should have had a private report, perhaps, to the attorney general explaining. And the attorney general, by the way, had no obligation to release the report. Certainly had no obligation to release it unredacted. But he decided to release it. I understand that politically. If you're the attorney general and this is the president of the United States, uh, you don't want there to be there to, to be secrets. But you know, C minus with great inflation for special counsel her. I just don't think he did a good job. I think everybody now seems to agree he didn't do a good job. Half the people because they thought he was too tough on Biden. Half the people because they didn't think he was tough enough on Biden. My view is he wasn't tough enough on Biden legally and he was too tough on him politically. Um, I don't think, by the way, either Trump or Biden should have been prosecuted for possession of classified material. I don't. I think the reason for that is that there's a long tradition um, that goes back dozens and dozens, and maybe even further in time, that presidents do take things with them and keep them. You know, they should keep them safely. There should be provisions for where it's kept. Maybe it should be kept under the auspices of the Secret Service or something. But in both cases, it was done sloppily. In in Trump's case, they were spread out all over the Mar-a-Lago. And in Biden's case, they were, you know, next to his Corvair uh, in open boxes uh, in, a, in a garage that 
um, people could have access to. So I think what we saw is, is, is like equivalent sloppiness on both parts with differences based on cooperation, which shouldn't be relevant for prosecuting uh, these cases. So um, uh, bad, bad, bad special um, counsel report. I hope that maybe this gives rise to some congressional reconsideration of the role of special of counsel. I don't like special counsel. They are necessary evils because of the way our Justice Department operates. We're one of the few countries in the world that have as politicized the Justice Department. In many countries in the world, you have the director of public prosecution uh, or the chief prosecutor outside of politics. So you don't need a special counsel. Here, because Merrick Garland, who was regarded highly regarded as a judge, but because he was a Democrat appointed by the Democratic president, it was felt that he shouldn't be investigating the president of the United States for a possible a crime, which he was, con if he was convicted of, might deny him a second term and, and thereby might cost the attorney general his job, obviously a conflict of interest. So you needed to have a special counsel, but we have to do something about the special counsel rules. They're, they're, they're not tough enough. Uh, they give too much discretion, too much breadth, and they're too political. In the end, they're almost as political and almost as bad as having the attorney general, a political appointee, uh, do the job. Okay, so, <laughs> so that that's my current events uh, report. Let's let's turn to some to some letters. Um, why is no one asking the most fundamental question, namely, how can you say a person is an insurrectionist when that person has neither been charged with nor found guilty of insurrection? with due process and by a jury of his peers. Well, I think that's one of the issues. One of the issues is Congress hasn't decided how to implement the 14th Amendment. They, there is a statute that says if you're guilty of insurrection, if you're found guilty by a jury, maybe you're disqualified. I don't know whether that statute is or isn't constitutional. Under the general provisions of the Constitution, you generally can't expand the disqualification criteria, for example, I don't think, I don't think anybody's thought about this much, but I don't think that the um, um, uh, Congress could say, eh, 35, that sounds a little young to us. Uh, why don't we make it 40 before you can be president? I, I, I don't think so. They certainly can't, couldn't, couldn't make it 30, I don't think so. Um, uh, these are interesting, interesting and abstract constitutional questions. I haven't thoroughly researched this, but from my reading of history over the past 80 years, hey, welcome to the Octogenarian Club. I can't think of a single example of an insurrectionist who was part of the government and certainly not a head of state and who was involved in the insurrection against his own government. That's simply not a component of the notion of insurrection. It's an interesting point. On, on, on January 6th, Trump was the president of the United States. So who was his insurrection against? I guess it was against the new president of the United States, the president-elect. But it's, it's an intriguing point, and, and maybe that's why the president um, wasn't included. I don't, I don't know. Uh, all right, this is a really dumb letter. Uh, I understand your constitution, your constitutional expert, but you can't erase the OJ thing and Epstein and pretend it never happened. You have a lot of baggage, not explained, sir. Hey, I've written how many books on this subject? I've written a whole book on the OJ case. I've written a whole book. I have three or four of them. 
uh, on other uh, on the Epstein case. I'm not trying to hide it. I'm trying to duck it. I'm proud of it. I did nothing wrong. John Adams did nothing wrong. Abraham Lincoln did nothing wrong. Abraham did nothing wrong when he argued with God over the sinners of Saddam. So I'm going to write more books about it. I'm not trying to hide anything. I don't have any explaining to do. I'm a lawyer. And as a lawyer, I defend the most controversial, the most hated, the most difficult people. Yeah. As far as the Epstein thing is concerned, if you're thinking about the false accusation against me, even the woman herself has now acknowledged that she may have mistaken me for somebody else. Case of mistaken identification, I have stated categorically over and over again under oath, subject to perjury. I never met her. I never heard of him, heard of her, and I never had any sexual contact with anybody other than my wife during the relevant time period. So I'm not pretending it never happened. In fact, I talk about it too much. I mean, a number of you folks have complained, leave it alone, it's over. You know you didn't do anything wrong. Everybody knows you didn't do anything wrong. But I I responded to this letter only because the inference is that I did something wrong by defending people? No, you don't like people who defend O.J. Simpson or, or, or Jeffrey Epstein? Move to Iran. There, there's no problem. Lawyers don't defend gay people who are being executed. Lawyers don't defend people who have committed blasphemy. Lawyers don't defend women who don't have their head covered and are then killed. No, no, the lawyers don't do that. Lawyers just do just do what the government wants them to do. Hey, not me. That's not the kind of lawyer I am. Um, professor, don't you agree that it's a tragedy that a full video transmission of the argument, I'm talking about the Colorado case, will not be available to the citizens of this country, particularly when the degree of public interest is so immense. After all, how can our own government shortchange its own people when Russia can invite Tucker for a public interview, Putin, the whole world to view? It's the dumbest decision the Supreme Court has ever made. Oh, you can listen, but you can't see. Why, are you worried we're going to see you picking your nose, scratching your rear end? Come on, you're human beings. Let us watch you. Uh, let us hear you. Let all... Supreme Court arguments be be televised archivally. Most of them be very boring. This one was actually quite interesting because the lawyers did such a bad job that the justices had to pick up the slack. And the justices did quite a good job. And of course, it should have been broadcast. It should be archivally available. It should be in law school libraries. It should be available as teaching tools. Um, and so there's just no, just no reason I challenge anybody to come up with an argument that says, oh, you can listen, but you can't see. It's just stupid. Okay. I have a serious question here that nobody seems to be asking. Let's say Trump is guilty as hell. Not my opinion. Let's just say that is, is what he's saying. So since he is an insurrectionist and is disqualified under the 14th Amendment, just say, relax, just saying, what about the last part of the section? shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. Uh, that's the quote. Since an insurrectionist, but by definition, be an enemy thereof, would not anyone who gives aid and comfort to Trump also be disqualified? So almost every Republican who endorses, contributes to, and every way supports Trump. Now, I mean, the, the, the uh, 14th Amendment is not well drafted. Treason talks about um, enemies, and it really does require enemies. And when you have something internal like this, you know, as, as you know, I think what happened on January 6th was horrible. I am defending one of the people who uh, uh, was welcomed in, and I don't think what he did was a crime. 
but uh, it was not an insurrection. It was a protest that went bad, just like the Black Lives Matter protests went bad. Or I'm told now that some of the anti-Israel protests are closing down not only terminals and uh, streets, but the modern art museum, uh, one of my favorite places down the block from where I live in New York. And, you know, they're, they're really taking it so far, the anti-Israel group. I don't know whether or not the woman who shot into the great mega church um, in Texas who had free Palestine on her on her rifle was really one of these um, uh, agitators who was just mentally ill and her, her, took her own seven-year-old son to the shooting. So it sounds to me like she may be mentally ill, but, you know, uh, she also has had uh, a history of anti-Semitic remarks in the past. So, um, but, but um, uh, more evidence will come out. Okay, I have a question about another show where you covered judges not recognizing faces. You said this was in the scripture. Uh, I was in a discussion with a colleague about the protests on college campuses, etc., and he said it was not in the scripture. Yes, it's in the scripture. Check it. It's Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 19, instructions to the judges, lo, which means don't in Hebrew, takir, recognize panim faces do not recognize faces the king james version translates that as do not give benefits to people based on their face or something like that but the i read hebrew and i understand it so the literal translation of lo takir panim is do not recognize faces some of the bibles just say do not do personalized justice or do not distort justice. But the literal words are, do not recognize faces. Okay, lots of news. We'll probably have more news developing tomorrow. And uh, see you then. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.